This episode is part of Padded Cell Podcast's 10-day event celebrating the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia and Mental Health Awareness Month across Africa. This is Alessandra from Kenya and I'm very happy to be hosting this conversation with my guest who I'm going to let introduce themselves very shortly. I am Alessandra, obviously, and I'm from Kenya. I work with an organization called Jinsiangu. We are an intersex, trans, and non-conforming organization working in Kenya. And we strive to create safe spaces for the existence of intersex, trans, and non-conforming persons in Kenya. And I'm joined with my guests. Introduce yourself, love. Hello. Thank you, Lexi, for this opportunity. So my name is Winnie, Winnie Orodi. I'm a psychologist. My focus on trauma-informed approaches in my work as a psychologist. I consult with Jinsiangu and Ethan, organizations that work with the ITGNC communities, just providing psychosocial support. Yes, and I'm glad to be here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. So, I mean, this is a series that we are having as a conversation, one of many series, really. And we're trying to break the silence uh, when it comes to ITGNC issues around the world. And because we're based in Kenya, I want us to speak on mental health in Kenya and access to services. I mean, personally, as a trans person, I know access to mental health services is a limitation. I know if I'm in need of services and I need I go to any public hospital in Kenya, I will be referred to as many doctors as possible, but none of them are actual mental health practitioners. So can you shed light on that and help all of us kind of understand where that kind of problem is coming from? Yeah, well, it's difficult to access mental health services globally and just especially in Africa. And I'll speak just in regards to Kenya, particularly because of the stigma and discrimination, just the stigma around it. Yes, our cultures, the way we perceive mental health as a very Western phenomenon, you know, we still don't acknowledge it as an illness. We look at it as a weakness of sorts. So there's that just stigma around it. Um, And then also there's a lot of um, just shortage of human resources. If you look at the number of psychologists, certified psychologists that we have in Kenya, it's quite low. So that reduces the ratio of a psychologist to the people accessing the services. So the discrimination and the psychologists are already few, greatly limits the access to these services. And then I talked about the culture. We have a lot of people believing in traditional and faith healers. So they tend to view mental health issues as a spiritual thing. So you need to go to a traditional healer or a faith healer. So that, again, just limits the before people actually acknowledge a mental illness as a disease that you can actually seek services for, they would rather first go to spiritual healers first. And then there's also the financial constraints. It's rather costly for the average Kenyan to access these services. So I think that also greatly contributes just the limited numbers of people accessing this mental health services in Kenya. And then like you were saying, you go to one doctor and you're referred to another, to general practitioners, before you're finally referred to 
a mental health practitioner because the sector is very fragmented, yeah? There's very little unity in how just consolidation of the services to easily know if I am suffering from depression, this is where I go. If I am an alcoholic, this is where I'm supposed to go. And even it's even worse for the people in the trans community, the ITJC community, because there's a lot of stigma around. There's very little acceptance, yeah? So even just people are afraid for their safety to go seek these services, let alone the practitioners themselves. We are very, <laughs> I would say, very Christian-oriented country. And a lot of, you find that there, there are already very few practitioners ha- kind of have their reservations when it comes with, uh, when it comes to dealing with patients from the ITGNC community. Thank you so much for that extensive explanation. I mean, we're talking about the alarming statistics, right? We mm-hmm. hear of WHO and we hear about what they have to say about what the standards in terms of access to services and what those standards should be. Uh, we're looking at the population in Kenya. I mean, can, can, can we just speak on what these numbers mean in terms of the limitations and the, 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 the very few numbers of uh, mental health practitioners in Kenya and the impact that has when it comes to access to services. And I know you touched briefly on that, but I want us to kind of hear lived realities and what the implications those could create. When you talk about the numbers, you mean the limited numbers of practitioners in the field already? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's really alarming. I mean, I'm talking about only 41 psychologists in the country, 50 mm-hmm. social health care workers who can deal with mental health. We're talking about 474 psychiatric nurses in Kenya. And we're talking about a population which is over 40 million. And this is the number that we are talking about in terms of access to services. And when you look at, at mental health in Kenya, it's an essential service, really. And mm-hmm. the numbers just don't add up. As a trans mm-hmm. person, I'm scared. I'm literally scared that at, with all that is going on, mm-hmm. how is it that these are the numbers? What's happening? Why do we have such very little numbers within the field? That's a very good question, actually. It's something that when I was just starting out in psychology, it's, and I was trying to explain to my parents why I'm doing psychology, and they're like, ah, well, where are you going to work with that? Because when you look at our cultures, let me speak for Africa, we are very collective culture. So in a way, if you wanted like support, if you are undergoing a lot of distress, you talked to your auntie, to your uncle, yes? So there was not really that much need for specialized psychiatrists or just mental health practitioners in that sense. But also just acknowledging that there's other mental issues and just psychology broadly, it's a relatively new field, honestly, compared to the more traditional um, like medicine or law or engineering, because that's what everyone was familiar with. If you are going to school, that's what you are going to study. But with now people acknowledging that mental health is actually a great determinant of how someone will turn out, how effective someone will be able to just handle the distresses that come up with just maturing and maneuvering life in itself. 
and now starting it starting to take it with the seriousness that it deserves so i would say there hasn't been a lot of awareness just information all the way to the grassroots for people to understand okay what is psychosis that's the at the very extreme when you're completely losing your mind because every time you go to seek mental health um, services people assume you complete you've completely lost it yet sometimes it's mild cases like anxiety or just compounded stress that you need support from a, a mental health practitioner to be able to just deal with life distresses and just life in general and as we've shifted from being a more collective to more individualistic and you don't have your aunties and uncles or whoever you need to talk to and that's when people started to realize okay we are becoming more individual and we may need help to address we need mental health practitioners i think that's one reason as to why the numbers are still quite low and also the very few that get into the field they're not receiving the recognition you see like uh, there was a bill being passed of mental health is a new mental health policy that is being passed i think by 2030 will have been fully implemented. But since the 80s, it is that the Mental Health Act of 1980, we've not really upgraded it or updated it and revised it to reflect today's uh, societal problems in Kenya. So I would say we're still lagging behind. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And the few of us who are in the field, we really need to push and have the right policies and create awareness and just advocacy for everyone to understand what is this mental health? What is the what is mental health all about? Because I feel like a lot of people don't really understand. That's why when you go to universities, there's very few people pursuing that. This is really alarming. And I mean, I'm from here and obviously I'm not that shocked when I hear this information. ITGNCY once again stands for intersex trans and gender and conforming people. And we are talking about access to uh, mental health services for ITGNC persons in Kenya. A lot of our, our listeners, a lot of the people who are going to be listening are activists, are advocates, are people who want to support in one way or another. And, and just to kind of just go back on the statistics we have, hospitals in Kenya uh, that are between level one all the way to level, level four have no mental health department, right? So mental uh, level five and six have uh, mental health departments in Kenya. So take us through what level one to four means and what level five and six mean and why is it that there's there's no mental health services between level one and four and why mental health services are in level five and six? So just explain to us what that means. I don't think I can speak extensively on the levels of hospitals, especially with the devolution of services right now in Kenya. I I can't clearly state what those levels represent. But the fact that they are at certain levels are not sort of devolved to the very lower levels, yeah? I would say it's um, because of the numbers, again, like you were sharing the statistics before and just if these are, we have these many psychologists and we have all these many counties in Kenya, spreading them out to really effectively have, have like a, an effective ratio of psychologists to 
the number of people in a particular county. It's really determinant on the number of psychologists we have. But when it comes to the levels, I don't think I could really speak to the levels and how they, they are organized. Maybe it's something I need to look into before I can extensively just give my feedback. But from my own experience of I graduate class of 2016, when we all just graduated and left school and we are venturing into, very few of us stayed in the like public sector, yeah? We all veered into private practices because the rates are not the same. You've seen doctors and nurses striking day and night, you know? And yeah. just being able to be educated enough to, to be certified as a psychologist and you're looking at the returns when you're working, unless now you're just volunteering the hours. Because the remuneration, there's a, a mismatch, you know. So you have to veer off into private practice to make ends meet. So I think that's why there's very few, when you look at the levels, one to five, like you were saying, you find there's very few psychologists on every level. I want us to take us off this conversation a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of focus on COVID-19 and the negative impact it has when it comes to access to to services, right? We're looking at trans people being people who are constantly afraid, afraid to be out in public spaces or into spaces where care is provided, afraid to uh, to be seen, to be heard because of how they might be perceived. These are conversations that linger within trans communities and within our voices as trans people in in Kenya and in the world at large. But the question is, we're talking about social distancing, Distancing. right? Mm. And we're also talking about something we used to do a lot, which is isolating ourselves from the rest of the world because of fear of judgment. And because of fear of will I be received or will someone attack me because of how they see me? How would you respond to a trans person coming to you saying, you know what, COVID-19 is happening. We are all on some sort of lockdown or some sort of curfew. Services have been uh, limited or have been shut down. And you know what I've been saying, uh, we've been saying, I've been saying, it's always good to be by yourself and you, you get to be comfortable and you get to be in tune. And now the world is going towards that. What do you say to the person who is going to retract more and be a little bit more inbound as opposed to what we always say to trans people is we are working very hard to create a safe space and a safe world out there. Please don't feel like you have to always be by yourself. Go out, socialize. Because that's what these times are telling us is, you know what, let's stay indoors. What do you have to say about that? Just generally speaking, before we narrow down to the trans community, confinement comes with a lot of, it sort of exacerbates already existing conditions. So if you are prone to anxiety, with confinement, then you tend to be even more anxious, you know. And then this is just not confinement. This drastic change in lifestyle, you know. Those with children have now to teach their children in their homes, you know. You're constantly in each other's spaces. You can't really go out and freely mingle or just 
you can take walks yes but it's not the same and then the financial anxiety because you're not sure if you wake up tomorrow you'll still have your job or the company will be downsizing and then particularly for me the the people that I work with are very they're young adults just starting out life some of them are doing just their internships some of them are just transitioning between high school getting into university and now schools have closed you're not sure when you'll resume some are due for graduation you're not sure if this semester counts maybe you you won't uh, you have education loans, you've taken up loans. So that's just the uncertainty, the anxiety that comes with this whole period and the confinement really sort of fuels. It's like a trigger. It, it really increases the already existing conditions. Yeah. So I would say there's a lot of compounded stress. One too many sticks, just things piling up onto another. And people are feeling overwhelmed. Yes. Um, so what I would say, it's okay for you to be anxious at this point in time because nothing is normal, you know? It's not what we are used to. So it is absolutely okay to feel anxious. But even in, in your anxiety, what can you deliberately do to stay sane, you know? Just trying to maintain a, a routine. For instance, if you reported to work at 8 and usually you'd be in bed by 10 or later, depending on when you go to bed, Try and have a routine so that you don't spiral or you don't, you know, when the anxiety kicks in, sometimes you become the anxiety, the anxiety takes over and you start getting anxious that you're anxious. And then it's, uh, uh, there's this book uh, that says it's a feedback loop from hell. You're anxious and you're anxious that you're anxious and then you're anxious that you're anxious. And then it can really get very overwhelming. So I would say just for those the trans people, especially right now, uh, some of them are stuck in homes where it might not be as accommodative. It might be quite hostile. And maybe some of them cannot even afford to move out or live by themselves. So you have to sort of live with other people. And then just those being confined into little spaces with all these other people and you may not fully be able to express yourself is try and maintain a routine. Have like a support system. Reach out people that you constantly reach out to who understand what you're going through and just share what is going through your mind. And literally the cliche things that we talk about, just try and exercise, even if it's taking a walk in the evening, of course, with your mask on, just walk around and get back home in good time. Just trying to maintain a routine and just trying to infuse a practical, sort of a health routine, a healthy routine, yeah? And just having like an accountability partner, be like, okay, so today what were you able to do? And even if just getting out of bed was what you were able to do, that's still fine. Don't be so hard on yourself trying to accomplish the most in 24 hours. This has been a really, a really great conversation, I mean, with you. And well, my next question was to kind of discuss action points and i feel you've extensively discussed it uh, in the in the in the last comment you made and mm -hmm. this is what our audience wants to hear they want to hear things that we can actually do to kind mm -hmm. of not feel like we are stuck for the people out there who cannot afford mental health uh, services mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. What would you say to them? And because because I understand this is this this is very necessary, right? It's very mm. important that we are, we 
we accessed the services. Uh, we speak to someone once in a while. For people who don't have anyone to speak to, for people who feel like they need to speak to someone, and they can't because of many reasons. Yes, you have spoken about uh, those wonderful things around um, exercising and waking up and saying that, you know what, remember you're worth it and all that. Are there any other practical points that you can give? I think for starters, it's t- it starts with awareness, yeah? Just yeah. being self-aware, being able to recognize what are my triggers, what pushes me over, um, how much is too much for me. That takes a lot of just introspection and reflecting on your actions, yeah? Sometimes the people around you can, can the, of course, trusted people around you can sort of help help you recognize these. Just being aware of your triggers can really, and your symptoms, for instance, can you feel your anxiety kicking in, you know? Can you feel when you're getting a bit overwhelmed? How does it feel in your body? Just doing those body scans and what's, how does it feel in your stomach? Or how do you feel your throat tightening? Or are you feeling your tongue, your mouth getting dry? So when you start to to pick these cues, because the body communicates, sometimes it's just migraines, yeah? And instead of just taking a painkiller for that, try and trace back your steps. Okay, so how did I get here? So first of all, it's the awareness, yeah? Practice a lot of self-awareness. And to be self-aware, it takes uh, meditations or just being an introspective person or an intentionality, yeah? Being intentional with every action that you take because healing at the end of the day really takes a lot of intentional action and it takes strength to do that. So awareness and then also sort of investing in the relationships that we have because when we have, when we are surrounded, when our relationships are rich, we sort of thrive. We are more resilient that way. And then accepting where we are, you know, if, okay, you've lost your job and this has happened, yeah, it's it's not as easy as saying, okay, let's, let's just accept the situation, but just understanding what you have control over and what you do not have control over. I like to refer to the serenity prayer. God grant me the, the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, uh, the courage to change those that, that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Just know what where is your sphere of influence and where do you not have influence? Because oftentimes we focus on where we don't have influence and we end up very exhausted, frustrated, and we end up giving up. So just focusing on what you have influence at and doing it a step at a time, and it takes time. So today you might get overwhelmed and try again tomorrow and just keep moving. Um and intentionally building resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's what I would say for now. Of course, on top, uh, including the things that I had mentioned earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been one of the most, the healthiest conversation we've, uh, I've, I've had. And I'm very glad that you took your time to, to sit down with us and, and share this perspective uh, with us. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I mean, I would love to say that from from my end. The trans community, the intersex trans and trans community, really 
already appreciate uh, the services that you offer and we are very grateful and mm. all these insights sometimes you can't get them from an auntie or from an, uh, an uncle or a mom because those insights from those that we love or our relatives and our friends are very one-sided for example right it's very do this do that do this and it's based on their life experiences not that their life experiences are, are wrong or anything but sometimes you need people who to hear what you're saying and advise mm-hmm. based on a place of knowledge and a place mm-hmm. of care and a place of i heard you and mm-hmm. and all those things and and so the, we we are celebrating our mental health right and we're breaking the silence around the importance of that in this conversation and so thank you very much uh, for taking your time to speak to us about these issues and we like to thank of course our padded cell podcast for hosting mm. us and mm. I'm really excited. Mm. Yeah, me too. I think we need more spaces like this where we can share some tools and skills to get by coping strategies. How do you health? How do you cope in a healthy way? Again, thanks to Padded Cell Post Podcast for um, organizing this and facilitating this. And uh, to you, Lexi, just thank you very much for even just doing the great work that you're doing at Jinsiangu and it, because it takes it takes us all, yes, it takes the mental practitioners, but it also takes organizations like Jinsiangu. It takes a whole community to ensure mental well-being because if you take the individual out of the context, you can't really treat this person. You have to put the context into perspective. Then you'll be able to holistically ensure mental well-being for the people that you work with so wishing you light and just thank you for this opportunity again thank you and light out to find out more about what you have heard today go to paddedcellpodcast.life Follow the podcast on Twitter at paddedcell underscore pod, Instagram at paddedcell.pod, and follow the Facebook page, Padded Cell Podcast. Join us again tomorrow as we break the silence on sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, and talk about mental health.